Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. A reading from the fifth chapter of Micah. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then, at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from the 10th chapter of Hebrews. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the Advent Litany. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. 
for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Sorry about that. So, we think of Mary uh, as a mother first, don't we? When you say Mary, you have to signify which one you're talking about, because there's so many in Scripture. Uh, So, Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let's make sure we're talking about her. We typically think of her as that first. She held in her womb not only a baby, but God. So, it's kind of a big deal. Early Christians called her Theotokos, God-bearer. And we call her the greatest mother who ever lived and also an unwed teen mom. We say that she was perpetually a virgin, or some, I should say, some Christians say that. And also scripture tells us that she had several more kids after Jesus. Mary, meek and mild, Mary, accepting of what comes, we certainly don't think of her as a prophet. They were fired up, those guys. They had a word to speak to the people. And Mary's just, I mean, she's just a mom, right? that's not right. No one is just a mom. Mary was certainly not just a mom either. She's got something else going on that we've had a hard time putting our finger on, I think. But I'm going to put my finger right in it like Georgie Porgy and his pie. Y'all know already that our Bible has a bunch of different kinds of literature in it, right? Paul's letters are different than the gospel stories, and the so-called historical books in the Hebrew scriptures are very different than the wisdom literature in Song of Songs, or the origin stories in Genesis, or the worship songs in Psalms. They'll have a different form, a different purpose. You know this. Maybe you've heard some people say that the Bible is a library, not a book. You probably also remember that there are a series of stories about women who can't have children who suddenly get pregnant. Sarah's probably the most famous one, mother of Isaac, in her very, very old age. And there are enough of these stories that have a particular format, a particular form. It's called the Annunciation form. If you went through and put all these stories side by side, as I fully expect all of you to do as soon as the service is done, you will see the form clear as day. Every element of the form isn't always present in every story, but they're very similar. Again, if you lay them out, when you lay them out, you will see that. Mary's story, of course, fits very neatly in that form, as you might expect except that she's not too old to have a child, it's quite the opposite. The word in Greek that we translate as virgin, um, it only means young woman. That's literally all it means. There's no sexual connotation at all. Um, She's only a virgin because she's that young. Anyway, as it turns out, there's another story form, like Annunciation, that Mary's birth announcement fits into even better than the Annunciation form. It's the form of the call to a prophet. I studied this in seminary and it's like blew my mind. Basically, the stories we have where God calls a prophet to speak the truth to the people also have a particular form, particular elements that are in it. Every time you see a prophet being called, you get this story. And Mary's Annunciation ticks every box. Mary, the mother of Jesus, meek and mild, treasuring things in her heart, swaddling her teeny baby boy in the manger, was also a prophet like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and Isaiah. She bore the word of God to the world, right? There's a pun. She bore. But also, 
not just that she gave birth, <clears throat> she speaks it as well. She sings this song, the Magnificat, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Not meek and mild. Not just a mother. Something more. So because it's our annual celebration of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, Christmas, it's time to remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ, literally the good news, is that God is working on divine justice and compassion expansion through us. And while that's beautiful, it also makes us uncomfortable. Pastor Larry and I used to argue a lot about whether the good news was always good. We need reminding that the will of God is for the rough places to be made smooth and the mountains to be brought low. What God does and wants is for the low people of the world, the poor, the abused, the refugees struggling, the mourning, the sick, to be raised up. And for the high people, the rich, the abusers, the dictators, the willfully ignorant, to be brought low. This is good news, but maybe it doesn't feel like it. It's scary because there's a little part of us that sees our own privilege, that sees the times that we sit on our own throne, and we enjoy it. We don't want to lose it. Of course not. We all know poor people who are happy, people we've met on mission trips or in our daily life or read about who are pleased with their lives, not having a lot, but also not tied down by their possessions. We all know more stuff is not the way to happiness. And there are a lot of folks out there who are living simply, by choice or not, and loving it. But we also know about oppression. We know about childhood poverty, which is legitimately a violence and a trauma to those children. We know about hopelessness, no matter how wealthy someone is. We know about fear, because we see it on the news. We see it in the voices of minority groups. We see it in the eyes of our friends and family, or in the mirror. And that's who Mary and God are talking to. We know there are powerful people who are kind. People who give away huge amounts of their income, who build infrastructure, who pay their employees living wages. People with power who write forgiving work schedules. Who listen when they don't understand. Who weep for the world and use what they have to make it better. But we also know there are abusers. People who exploit their families or subordinates. People who constantly put up walls, physical and spiritual, between people so we can't be human together. People who feel they've got everything figured out, and they're done. And this is who Mary and God are talking to. Now, I know y'all know me. Maybe some of y'all are thinking I'm going to start naming names. I don't need to. Because it's all of us. It's all of us. Every one of us has the power to exploit, to be selfish, to make ourselves look better. Some of the ways we do that are tiny, they're so small we don't even notice. Someone does nearby, and they're hurt. Some of us have positions of power which make our decisions much more wide-reaching and damaging. 
and we will all be scattered. We will be sent away empty, says Mary. And with the grains of wheat scattered on the hills that the farmer gathers up into one basket and makes into bread, so are we gathered back together. Because every one of us has also been abused, has been taken advantage of, has been hurt and broken. We will be raised up. We who are hungry for peace and quiet, hungry for being seen and understood, hungry for love and connection, we will be filled with good things. It's, it's both. No surprise there, right? It's always both. Powerful and weak, saint and sinner, we aren't just one or the other. We can't ignore the discomfort and threat of Mary's words. She may look like this to you, maybe a little disapproving. Is this the, uh, the mom or dad face? I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Does anybody recognize this detail? This is from a much larger painting by Artemisia Gentileschi, one of my favorite painters. This is Judith cutting off the head of Holofernes. She's not just disapproving. <laughs> She's angry. She's miserable. Or maybe she looks like this, a Somali refugee. All she wants is peace and food and safety. Prophetic literature is written by an oppressed people to an oppressed people. The writers, thinking about their own experience in their own time, do indeed want punishment for their oppressors and a flip of power. It's very possible that Mary is speaking revolution into being in the Magnificat. It's also possible that Mary and the prophets are speaking a divine equilibrium into being, a transformation which looks and feels revolutionary and ends with grace-filled equality. It's liberation, not punishment. What if we were all of us made in the image of God and were all of us loved by God and acted like it? This is what God is doing. Transformation is what God is after. Transformation of the world's pain into communal joy. But that transformation will be painful. You've heard me say it before, the only way out is through. Two years ago, Karen Maisie and I took some students on a pilgrimage to Europe. And one of our main stops was the Tizé Monastery. It's in the glorious countryside of France and you spend your days eating simple meals, doing work around the community, and most famously praying and singing in harmony several times a day. You sit on the floor of the church, surrounded first in silence and then by a multitude of voices from every tribe and people and language and nation. As I was sitting there one day, I noticed student Miles quietly get up and leave, and then return a little later, and then leave again. So I asked later if, if he was okay. He said, the music is beautiful and the silence is beautiful and it all gives me space to feel the things I don't want to. And I'm afraid I'll have a panic attack right there and I don't want to. So I'm leaving so I can push it all back down again. Hmm. 
I felt that for him in that moment. I said something like this to him. If you just come up against something that you're resisting and it's too painful or overwhelming or awkward or, I don't know, too touchy-feely or too political, whatever, every time you run away from it, you run away from your transformation and for the peace that's on the other side. It's going to hurt for us to look clearly at ourselves and our systems. And it will keep hurting even afterwards because we are humans and that's what we do. And yet, there's something more on the other side. We ourselves are giving birth just as much as Mary is. We ourselves are groaning in labor pains with all of creation. And on the other side, a baby. Jesus of the tiny amazing toes is new life. For all of us. At Teze in the Brothers Bookshop, I found an image of Mary and Jesus that took my breath away, and I wept. And I know it looks very simple. There's more detail in the real thing, but it took my breath away, and I wept because I had arrived at Teze after walking through Dachau, after walking the same paths that thousands of undesirables had for years after almost running out of the gas chamber because I felt like there was no air, after sitting in the grass overwhelmed at our cruelty, I saw this icon of Mary called the protector of all whose lives are precarious. Protector of all whose lives are precarious. It's all of us. Whether we are hungry or filled in any given moment, our lives are precarious. And like Jesus looked at the rich young man and loved him, he looks at us and loves us. And Mary sees us clearly, like all good moms do, all parts of us, and loves us. God made us, filled our lungs with breath for our first cries after birth and for our singing and arguing and celebrating and lamenting. God made us and God loves us so much that God became flesh and dwells among us even now. May our soul magnify the Lord and our spirit rejoice in God our Savior for God looks with favor on the lowliness of his servants. May all generations call us blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for us, and holy is his name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.